This is Jeremy Bassetti, and you're listening to Travel Writing World, a podcast featuring interviews with travel writers about their work and about the business and craft of travel writing. You can find the episode show notes, free travel writing resources, and much more at travelwritingworld.com. For more than eight years, Bill Arnett traveled throughout the Northern Hemisphere, discovering sites Scandinavian explorers had raided, traded, and settled, finding Viking history in a wider swath of the planet than most anthropologists and historians ever imagined. Bill joins me on the podcast today to talk about his adventures following the Viking trail around the world, which he documented in his new book, Gone Viking, A Travel Saga. We also talk about the present tense in travel writing and narrative structure. So now, here is Bill Arnett. Bill, welcome to the podcast. Jeremy, thank you so much for uh, having me. I've been a fan of the podcast, and uh, yeah, it's a real privilege to be here. Thank you. So you are a Canadian author, poet, and a songwriter. seems like you have your hands in many different pots, which is uh, something perhaps we can get into a little bit later. But uh, now you're on the trail promoting your new book called Gone Viking, which was published last year. So tell us a little bit about this new book of yours. Sure. Uh, Gone Viking, a travel saga. And uh, that's published by Rocky Mountain Books here in Canada. I'm over on the West Coast in Vancouver. Um, and I've been doing uh, travel writing and travel literature. And that's really what I've been enjoying following, uh, not only uh, through your podcasts, but the website, Jeremy. And um, being a, a lover of travel literature, you know, eventually, uh, and a professional writer, you get around to sharing that uh, genre. And uh, for this most recent project, I spent um, uh, off and on uh, eight years trekking around uh, most of the Northern Hemisphere in the wake of the Scandinavian explorers. So uh, the book Gone Viking, A Travel Saga, it started with a with a play on that word. Viking originally uh, was a verb and used by the Scandinavians, like a small v, you would go a Viking or to go Viking meant to go voyaging, uh, you know, the, the ultimate grand tour, but uh, without uh, rail lines or uh, necessarily high-end accommodation. So there's uh, was a lot of great history History and adventure um, that uh, prompted me to pursue this quest. And then as well as uh, years of travel, then slowly piecing that together into this nonfiction travel literature book. Mm. It's a lot here that uh, I want to talk about. You mentioned eight years writing the book and kind of piecing this together. I want to get to those um, a little bit later in the conversation when we switched to talking about craft, but um, you'd mentioned here that you spent mostly your, your time in, in uh, Scandinavia. But if someone picks up the book, you'll see, they'll see uh, uh, references to Hawaii and the Pacific. And um, just give us a sense of uh, where this uh, book uh, took you geographically. Well, sure. That uh the, the point of Scandinavia, obviously, that seems like a historical crux and where uh, Scandinavian explorers or the capital V Vikings uh, emanated from for the most part. But I was, it was, I was really struck and inspired at uh, a Viking ship museum in Roskilde, which is just uh, outside of Copenhagen in Denmark. And uh, there was a massive world map on the wall there, um, just displaying where these Vikings, these Scandinavian explorers, 
had gone around the world. Mm. And it looked <laughs> these red arrows branching off everywhere like a, a map for world domination. And as a you know, as someone that's perpetually suffering from wanderlust, um, I just thought to myself, oh, I want to go to there, <laughs> where there was literally the top half of the planet. So um, I thought, what a wonderful um, you know, MO, uh, opportunity to go to as many of these key uh, historical sites as possible. So yes, while it had its crux in Scandinavia, I mean, there's a lot of Viking history, obviously, around all of the British Isles and the North Atlantic, Iceland, Greenland, and Newfoundland over on the east coast of Canada. And so what's surprising to many folks is the Vikings did have a presence all through the Mediterranean mm -hmm. um, and as far even into Asia, uh, around Turkey and parts of North Africa, and a prominent presence around Italy and Spain and the south of France. So from a travelogue perspective, it was, uh, well, no, no pun intended, much of the world was my oyster. <laughs> and then you, you mentioned uh, little side trips to the around the Pacific. I took a little artistic license and uh, what I considered modern-day Vikings, uh, Scandinavian explorers like Raoul Amundsen and Tor Heyerdahl, and um, exploring uh, just a little further abroad. And then I, I found what I felt to be a very legitimate anthropological and archaeological Viking threads elsewhere to tie this all together. Mm -hmm. We know that the OG Vikings uh, traveled throughout Europe and Eastern uh, Europe, mostly through, as you mentioned, the Mediterranean and maybe some of the river uh, routes, and even as far as uh, North America, and this is coming out here. And, and their, their trading routes is, is pretty incredible, you know, extended into as you know, into the Middle East and, and Asia, perhaps, uh, you know, you know, beyond that. And so I was wondering if, if you could maybe like touch on some of these threads that you followed out to places like Hawaii. I mean, is it, is it Viking as, as a metaphor for exploration or is there something a little bit more tangible in the Pacific? Well, it started off as a little bit of a leap, and I thought, heck, if uh, if Tor Heyerdahl <laughs> can explore the Pacific, and he can always find some Scandinavian um, anthropological roots there, and he's been um, at times controversial, but invariably he can back up his research, and I thought, well, then so can I. Uh, and one of the simple things was just being the notion of, uh, now we're going back to small V Viking voyagers, but waterborne um, adventurers. Um, for example, over here on the west coast of Canada, um, there's islands between British Columbia and Alaska known as Haida Gwaii. And uh, then not unlike the Polynesians, these were an ocean-going people, seafarers and artisans. Um, yes, there was always uh, often raiding along with the trading, but these were people that uh, embraced art, culture, they were advanced societies, and uh, tattoos were a big part of their lineage and storytelling. Uh, so much of their sharing tales and sagas were oral uh, or along with a, a dance. And really the crux of that is we saw what what came to be a great literary culture. For example, Iceland, um, their per capita of books is astonishing. It, it leads the world and where these original uh, Viking or uh, Scandinavian sagas uh, came to pass. Mm. Legends passed down and then eventually, pen to paper or more accurately, <laughs> quill ink to vellum. And so there's always been that literary thread. And I took that along with a little bit of a geographical leap as well. Mm -hmm. And you, you draw this metaphor in, in, in the book about this notion of Viking lowercase v 
um, as uh, a quest um, seeking fortune and and glory. And, you know, you kind of run with that a little bit or, or sail with that uh, to extend the metaphor um, a, a little bit um, in, in terms of, of your world travels, right? So um, perhaps yes. um, writing a travel book is the wrong way of going about seeking fortune and glory. But um. <laughs> <laughs> um, Well, I was inspired as I was doing my research and realized, oh, this thing was, was coming to, uh, it was taking shape this travel saga. And um, so part of my research being reading the lion's share of the uh, original Icelandic sagas. And so these were historical accounts, but what I loved was there was invariably a dreaminess about the writing. Uh, They were never afraid to let a little myth or mythology find its way into historical writing. Uh, and uh, I don't mean to offend anyone, but I would liken it to facets of Bible stories. There's some history in there. There's some speculation. There's some stuff that's clearly made up. And uh, But what I loved was uh, a very poetic nature to the prose. And that to me was always very literary. And uh, that was what I really wanted to embrace in this mystical storytelling. You know, um, drawing that analogy, we can shade, uh, sailing a ship off towards a, you know, a misty horizon. And uh, at what point do we end? And I love that so many of the great sagas never had a tidy ending. Uh, a little dot, dot, dot ellipsis. That to me is uh, uh, romantic and inspiring. And who knows where our next adventure will take us. Mm-hmm. So I embraced a lot of that, uh, which I also felt was a nod to the classics, the original sagas. Mm-hmm. And you do reference them uh, quite a bit throughout the the, the book. Um, and one of the things that I found uh, striking about this book, and I, I think you just kind of revealed it a little bit um, a few moments ago, but uh, you know, I, I don't think we... Uh, fully learn, you know, your reasons for writing this book. Like there is no why I went section that I can remember reading. And it's a little bit interesting that it's not there or that I didn't pick up on that because this is a travel book and you kind of expect to to read those parts of it. So um, despite what you said about Roskilde and the, the Viking um, kind of influence there, um, was there something more to the reasons why you wanted to undertake this adventure uh, and ultimately write this book or or did it like really begin in the, the Roskilde uh, Viking Museum? It was, I would say it, it, uh, it really started to formulate a little a nugget of a plan in my head around from that Viking ship museum. Mm-hmm. I'd always been doing um, travel writing, Jeremy, and uh, detailed sort of literary journals. And I had published um, travel literature before. Uh, so part of it was just wanting to do more. I Like any uh, traveler, I simply wasn't done after the last project. I thought this was a cool thread. I wanted to read this story. So I thought, well, I better write <laughs> this saga. I was inspired by the, the points on the map that it would take me to as mm-hmm. a traveler. Uh, and one of the things, why am I writing this? I'll be honest with you, as a, as a lover of the, of the genre and a, a longtime writer, um, at times, if I'm reading a, someone's travel book that starts off with, oh, we had to do X, Y, Z, oh, to, who knows, save the relationship, or, oh, if I didn't do this or that, which, oh, invariably strikes me as terribly contrived. <laughs> and um, so I desperately wanted to avoid any of that sort of false 
pretense or, oh, I travel to save the planet. Well, no, you don't. You're (laughs) imparting a footprint. You can do everything in your power to minimize that footprint. But let's take care and just sort of be honest with ourselves. We're traveling. There's a lot of bad things about that, uh, like economically, ergonomically, environmentally. However, we can do it with a, a very cognizant approach to minimize our footprint so that was i didn't want to be someone that was trying to justify the next journey based on something altruistic because at the end of the day i'm an individual that loves to travel loves to read about travel and um, loves to write about travel so there's a rather long-winded answer of saying this was something i was excited to do and i chose to do it and share it with the readers uh, in real time mm-hmm. so that we can enjoy this together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that comes out in, in your use of uh, the, the present tense. Uh, you write about doing things in the, in the present moment, as opposed to, you know, often we read in, in travel literature that this past tense, but you know, what you say about the, the contrived nature of some of these books is interesting because, you know, you reference as well, um, uh, Bruce Chatwin, you know, famously, who goes to Patagonia <laughs> for this, you know, uh, con- contrived idea of, uh, you know, brontosaurus skin that his family had, you know, obviously, it wasn't brontosaurus skin, but this, you know, this MacGuffin <laughs> kind of compelled him on, on on this quest that we forget about, right? Um, and there yes. is some of that going on in travel literature, but you're, um, you're right, some of it does feel a bit manufactured. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't want to, you know, take a shot at anyone because everyone's, you know, working hard and proud of their craft in this genre. But uh, I certainly wanted to, and I thought that's a great example of Chatwin can, <laughs> oh, you know, maybe uh, stretch the truth with one or two of the individuals he may have encountered or a bit of speculation. And the Brontosaurus skin's a wonderful example. Um, what I write in my book is true, and I'll be the first one to say, I'll fib to make someone feel better, and I'll exaggerate to, to maybe hammer home a punchline, <laughs> but I won't lie. <laughs> mm-hmm. So th- this, this book, as you note, uh, represents about eight years, I think you said, of, of travel. Um, so walk us through this uh, this process here, because I think this is a, is a perfect moment in you know, the history of, <laughs> in, in our history, um, to, to talk about these questions. But like, did you get this idea eight years ago and, and then start writing the book? Or did the idea, I guess, come together after the fact and you drew on your journals and, and things like that to put together and write it? Or how, like, walk us through the, the, the actual kind of manufacture of, of this book. Just a quick note, and we'll get right back to the episode. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review on your favorite podcasting app or consider supporting the show with only a few dollars a month at travelwritingworld.com slash support. Sure. So these eight years that I refer to, Jeremy, this was uh, over the span of eight years, a lot of piecemeal Uh, travel. Um, Some was purely recreational, but invariably I'm going to do a little research as I'm going and going to do a little writing as I'm going. Mm -hmm. So there were a a number of two and three uh, week trips and sojourns in there, but a lot of a couple of month uh, version uh, travel periods as well. I'd have to come home and earn some money for the next uh, facet of the next (laughs) iteration of travel. I had a few years of travel under my belt when 
the idea really began to germinate. And I, uh, seeing that map, for example, I realized, gosh, I've been to a lot of those places already. I have some decent records of that with a bit more research and now another three or so years of very pointed travel to mm. put what I felt to be key pins in the map. And then it, I, again, chronologically stringing it together over the North Atlantic. In my mind, I was following in the footsteps uh, or the wake of uh, Olaf Crowbone um, and then uh, Eric the Red and Leif Erikson, which very naturally follows a bit of a um, of an east to west current around that North Atlantic, which was uh, the routes they chose. So it um, travel had occurred. I was excited about this idea. I realized, oh, I could draw from journals and places I'd experienced over the preceding four or five years. And then I put sort of my nose to the grindstone and very carefully chose subsequent uh, travel destinations mm -hmm. to ensure that I did what I felt uh, was a justified, a, a proper job of being to at least the lion's share of these key historical Viking sites. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you're mentioning that um, because right now I'm thinking about like the pandemic and, you know, how all, all, mostly all of the travel journalists we know um, are, you know, without work um, or comparative, comparatively little work. And, you know, some of them have years of experiences traveling and thinking about how they might be able to like pull together their experiences uh, into something like a book now when you know things are comparatively more quiet right um yes just wondering if you had any any more insights into into this process the process of pulling together um kind of information from the past or experiences from the past into you know a travel book after the fact um you know, especially after after so many years. I mean, this is what memoirists do, you know, wonderfully. And I was wondering if you had any kind of insights in, in, into that process. Well, um, insights, I'm not sure, Jeremy, but happy to share certainly facets of my process. Mm -hmm. And well, that was one I was proud of with this Gone Viking, a travel saga. You referenced it, the present tense. So we really are experiencing that seemingly together in real time. So to my delight, this is a, it's Gone Viking and Travel Saga is now a bestseller here in Canada. And so the publisher says, we would love a sequel. Well, I'd love a sequel too. And how does, bringing it back to your original question, how do we as uh, tra literary travel writers do that when we're locked down, um, doing it safely and doing it responsibly? So in fact, I've had a great, and I've found that, okay, this is a challenge. Uh, give me a hoop to jump through and let's see how creatively we can do this and still expand on our craft and be true to travel writing. Um, so, in fact, this follow-up manuscript, what will be come Gone Viking 2, um, will be all drawn from travel journals, um, photos, memories, vignettes and stories and interactions written down. It won't be a present tense Mm. Uh, writing or read, but it will be, I think, true to this um, this genre. As you know, my writing in, entails some uh, mild adventure, a bit of history, a lot of humor. And that to me is not only a challenge, but utterly rewarding and satisfying. If you can uh, string together an engaging, sincere travel journal 
from your home, but again, drawing from true uh, and uh, you know sincere experiences and interactions, I've been inspired in the past. Some of the best travel writing I've ever read were from people that never left their home. Mm. There's some wonderful examples of that. And um, I found that inspiring. Mm-hmm. Okay, and of course, you know, when we read fiction, you know, oftentimes, yeah, the, the authors do go to the places that they're writing about, but not always, right? And, you know, if they can string together out of their imagination such like a vivid kind of portrait of what it's like to be somewhere else, and certainly, you know, a travel, nonfiction travel writer or travel journalist can 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 do the same. But this is interesting for um, Gone Viking 2, which you, you say you're working on. You're, you're drawing um, from, you know, these older sources, I guess, your journals and, and those things. Um, in light of, uh, of that, like, how, how are you going about the process uh, of, of writing a travel book um, using these old older sources like i'm thinking here about this idea of like uh through narratives right so yes um with with your book you say it's over eight years but the book doesn't read like it you know was like a you know put together piece you know it wasn't like constructed from these like eight years of narratives there's like a through line right there's a through journey a thread that kind of weaves the chapters together right and so you're like preserving this narrated narrative march as it were, throughout throughout the book. So I'm wondering about like how does one kind of piece that together in hindsight as as you're doing now? Like what is what is that process like for you? So that's where I see the challenge and the creativity to come in as a writer mm-hmm. and an artist. Um, and we see it done well, and we see it done poorly, and we see it done well <laughs> in film. And different media with my poetry, you, I've, uh, that's a facet that I have studied and embraced and adopted, that you can um, create that thread, or you have to put a little more effort into determining that thread, lowering the microscope, because there is a thread, invariably, even if it's just, for example, you or I or whoever on their travel experiences, well, there, there's your thread. And what was your perspective? And again, as I say, doing it in a manner that is inspiring and, and honest and not contrived. Um, I'm very excited. I'm, again, I'm, I'm pleased and proud of Gone Viking. I'm excited about Gone Viking too, because it was just a different kind of challenge. Mm-hmm. And it can be done well. And... Um, Mm-hmm. I, that's sort of the best answer I can give okay. you on that front, Jeremy. <laughs> no, no worries. I know I'm putting you on on the spot here with some um, questions that I'm having a hard time formulating by myself. But, um, <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> following up on that on on that note, um, you know, th- this is this is a travel log, but it's kind of bound together by you know a bigger idea. You know, this idea of of Viking, right? And you know, so, so often I I read you know, travel logs and travel books that lack that um, so what question or that kind of unifying theme, you know what I mean? Like, yes. so how, how does, in your opinion, like how does one craft or create uh, like something universal, a universal meaning or a universal appeal to an otherwise like personal journey? So 
since we're you and I are figuring this out as we go, mm-hmm. question and answer <laughs> for this particular topic, um, I'll share with you one that just came in yesterday, a lovely uh, praise quote uh, from an author about my work. And what she said was, you seem to uh, educate and enlighten us, and it feels fun. Mm. You're, ne- you're never instructional or on a soapbox. And that's something that felt good, and it's something I'm, I'm acutely aware of and try desperately to never, you know, be the person telling you how I feel things ought to be, which, of course, is nonsense, because we all have good and right and wrong opinions. Um, so that, to me, was um, something I just, I suppose it's about taking the craft very seriously. I do not take myself seriously. <laughs> I believe that ought to come out in your writing and and, and probably does, uh, invariably, whether you want it to or not. Um yeah, that, that, that to me would be the thing. Just being, once you are finding or, or, or developing or honing your voice, your written voice, being true to that. And folks are either going to like it and embrace it or not. But I think at the end of the day, when there's sincerity there, you can feel very, very good about that project, uh, regardless of perhaps commercial results. Mm-hmm. And if those come along, as they have in this case, well, then that's a lovely, lovely bonus. And uh, I feel humbled by it, too. Mm-hmm. It's going back to this question uh, of honesty, this idea of honesty that you uh, brought up earlier. Um, the sincerity and honesty of, of a travel book is essential uh, to it. It's life or death for um, for the book, right? Yes. So. Well, good. Uh, I was wondering if uh, you could read for us a, a short passage out of out of your book. I'd be delighted. Sure. Um, it just, I thought it makes sense for me to start off with the, the prologue. It sort of sets a tone. And uh, if you want more, we can do a little bit of the introduction. How does that sound? That works. Wonderful. So uh, I'm Bill Arnett, and this is Gone Viking, a travel saga. I'm going to start off with the prologue, and I'm going to use the word skulls, spelt with a C, like the slender rowing boats. And it goes like this. Skulls slice the bay the softest splash in morning calm. Each stroke of oar swirls water into quotes, grasping at a poem, the reach and pull a heartbeat. They do that on the rideau, someone says. A coxswain barks instructions. The boats move on, silent, save for an oarlock creak and gentle ripple of wake. Through this, a bald eagle flies close enough to hear feathers moving air. While at a sculpture park, it states, when you see an eagle, you know this is a special place. Last time I was this taken by the view, it was nighttime. Winter Olympics were here, and we met new friends at the rowing club pub, facing this stretch of water that resembles a thumb on the mitt of the inlet. Large windows and a patio look onto Vancouver's coal harbour, cruise ship terminal, and the industrial port's towering cranes. An Olympic cauldron anchored the scene, a pyramid of metallic beams crisscrossed into outsized kindling, a signal beacon burning proud. The fiery glow dampened city lights, leaving only flame visible, dancing on dark water. The look of a Viking funeral. So there's our prologue to Gone Viking, a travel saga. Thank you. And you'd mentioned earlier that the the praise quote that you just received references your kind of lighthearted nature. And, you know, just for the readers, um, you know, this this book is, is funny. There's a lot of <laughs> j- 
jokes throughout the the entire book. It's uh, it's a humorous uh, a humorous book, and I, I don't get the sense that that comes through in, in the in the prologue that you just read. <laughs> but it, it is like a, a humor filled uh, a book. Thank you, Jeremy. Yes, I gave you a little a little <laughs> bit of a heavier to start there. But I, I was inspired once. Um, I think it was some of Michael Palin's writing in particular, I thought, oh, you can craft something beautiful and still be silly about it. Mm-hmm. You can have it all on your plate. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's inspiring. <laughs> Give it to me all, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, very good. Um, thanks for your time. Where can people find you online and, and your work? Um, probably easiest through my website, which is Bill Arnett. So B-I-L-L-A-R-N-O-T-T-A-P-S, as in author, poet, songwriter. Bill Arnett, A-P-S dot WordPress dot com. And they could find Gone Viking, a travel saga uh, there or directly through my publisher, which is uh, Rocky Mountain Books. And their site is rmbooks.com. Great. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Jeremy. It's been a real, real pleasure. You can find the episode show notes and much more at TravelWritingWorld.com. Please remember to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app. And if you find the show valuable, please consider leaving a review or supporting the show with only a few dollars a month at TravelWritingWorld.com slash support.